Welcome to the ArchMI Podcast, featuring our senior customer trainer, Blaine Rada. Arch Mortgage Insurance Company, or ArchMI, is a leading provider of mortgage insurance, or MI, in the United States. Our competitive pricing tool, ArchMI RateStar, is the leading risk-based pricing platform in the industry, providing rates based on a thorough understanding of the underlying risk. Here's your host, Blaine Rada. Welcome to the podcast. This is Blaine Rada with ArchMI. Welcome to season four. And if you have not listened to the first episode of this season, I encourage you to do that before continuing with this one. In that first episode, I really set the context and provide some of the background information that I will not be sharing uh, really for the sake of time in any of the other episodes. Of course, you know, you can choose to ignore my suggestion and continue on with this one if you choose. But this episode is going to be all about um, contrasting the 40 years that this uh, report that's put out every year by the National Association of Realtors called Survey of Home Buyers and Sellers. Um, that report, uh, you know, has been been ongoing since 1981. What? Where were you in 1981? I, I was in high school in 1981. Um, you may not have even been born yet <laughs> in 1981. Uh, so this report has been going for 40 years. In 1985, actually, is when I entered the real estate world, the mortgage world, as a loan processor. Um, so I guess I've been in this business about as long as this report has been has been ongoing. But I wanted to just share some of the the data and especially some of the contrasts uh, between 1981 and 2021. Um, this report is about home buyers and home sellers, uh, about the home search process, about financing a home. Um, and it's it's a survey of buyers and sellers that provides very useful information, particularly to the real estate community. And I've always thought, as I've read summaries of this report over the years, that it's actually really important information for anybody in mortgage lending, too, um, because the more you can understand home buyer behavior, home seller behavior, um, the kind of data that realtors use to do the work that they do, the more you can understand all of that, the more you can find opportunities the more you can figure out how to differentiate yourself and bring more value to the real estate community. And my theme for this year or this season of podcasts is really about reviving realtor relationships, that it's really time to get back out there and build and develop and enhance the realtor relationships that you have that hopefully drive referrals and business your way. And we'll talk much more about that, of course, as we as we go through the episodes. So I'm going to start with just contrasting Contrasting some information that's demographic in nature. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, I guess, marital status is, is maybe one of the ways that we could that we could call this. So back in 1981, married couples represented about 73% of people that bought homes. So 73% of home buyers were married couples. As you probably can expect, in 2021, 40 years later, that percentage is lower. There's a, there's a smaller percentage of people buying homes that classify themselves as a married couple. So it's gone from 73% 40 years ago to about 60% now. Unmarried couples were about 6% of home buyers in 1981, and that number has gone up to 9, so not a significant increase. Single males, about 10% of home buyers, in 1981, 
and about 9% in 2021, so that really hasn't changed at all. But here's the number, and you're, you're probably ahead of me here. Single females were about 11% of home buyers in 1981, in 2021, about 19%. So the percentage of home buyers that are single females has almost doubled and is consistently year over year twice as many, twice as many home buyers are single women as opposed to single men. So if roughly 20%, I mean, let's just use round numbers here because I've given you a lot of numbers and I realize that you're probably listening to this when you're, you know, walking the dog or exercising or driving, you're doing, you're doing something else. So it's not like you can write these numbers down and memorize them. So I may repeat myself once in a while just to make sure that you hear the number more than once. And I'm also going to round numbers just so that they're easier to remember. Um, and also keep in mind that with survey data, sometimes numbers don't always add up to 100% because of how they round the numbers or because there's people that won't answer a particular question or choose not to answer a question. So don't get too hung up on the math. But just in round numbers, in 2021, 60% of the people who buy homes would designate themselves as a married couple. About 10% would be an unmarried couple. Another 10% would be single men. And then 20% would be single women, single females. So if you're a realtor, 20% of your business potentially, if you live in a market that is normal demographically, you know, or average demographically based on the survey data, 20% of your business could potentially be coming from single women. And yet I don't see a lot of people in the real estate business or in the mortgage industry for that matter, who are specifically positioning themselves as someone who knows, understands, empathizes with, and works with single women. Because when you look at what most people put out there in either social media or their websites about anything that's related to buying a home or getting a mortgage, there's all these images of, you know, that perfect looking family, right? The nuclear family, as it's been called, with a, a husband and a wife, and they have two children, a boy and a girl, and they have a golden retriever by their side, and they're standing in front of a single family home in the suburbs with a white picket fence around it. Now, obviously, that, that does represent a demographic of people who buy homes and get mortgages. But what about the 20% of single women who are buying homes? I don't see them represented anywhere. I don't see marketing that is kind of directed towards them. In other words, if and I, I can't speak for being a single woman because I'm not one, but I'm just imagining if I'm a single woman and I'm, I'm, I'm working with a realtor who refers me to a lender and I go to that lender's website and the first thing I start to see are all of these images of, you know, families and couples and I'm not, I'm not being represented. So I'm saying all of this to say that I think there's an opportunity here. I think there's an opportunity to develop a, a, a niche, de develop a competency in a market that you may not have been paying attention to, and then positioning yourself even with realtors as someone who knows, understands, work with, you know, works with, empathizes, um, and appreciates the uniqueness of the single woman buyer. Now, if you are a single woman, of course, you have a huge advantage already um, in that you already know what the world of a single woman feels like. For those of you that aren't, um, you have to do some homework and you have to you know, un learn and understand that demographic a little better before you can position yourself as someone who really gets them. But I'm highlighting this one little piece of the survey data because it's consistent. Pretty much every year that I've been paying attention to this survey, single women 
out by single single men about two to one. So there's an opportunity there. And again, I'm not I'm not telling you what to do, of course. I'm just providing you with some suggestions. And you can come to your own conclusions as to whether you like the idea or not. So let's move on to a, a, a different way of defining a demographic. First-time homebuyers. There's always a lot of emphasis placed on, you know, how do we reach first-time homebuyers? How do we how do we uh, connect with them? And, you know, if, if you can if you can develop a relationship with a first time home buyer, whether you're a realtor or a or a lender, then hopefully that leads to, you know, other transactions down the road. Right. So securing the first time buyer relationship has always been a focus for a lot of people in our industry. Well, in 1981, they represented about 44 percent of the people buying homes. So close to half of the people buying homes were first time home buyers 40 years ago. That number has actually gone down. Uh, down to 34%, so about a 10% drop over 40 years. So in essence, there are less people as a percentage as first-time home buyers than repeat buyers. The age of a first-time home buyer, and I'm sure you're already anticipating this, has gone up. So 40 years ago, the age of a first-time home buyer was about 29. Now the age of a first-time home buyer is 33. Not a significant jump, but that that has been a trend. And you probably, those of you who are perhaps older yourselves and already have children, um, you've probably noticed that a lot of the kind of traditional adult milestones that have defined, you know, becoming an adult for many decades, things like, you know, moving out of your parents' home, um, you know, buying, buying, buying a home or getting married or having children or all of those things that are kind of, you know, the world of adulthood that, you know, current generations, the younger generations, they, they, a lot of them are putting that stuff off. You know, they're not, they're not jumping into those things as quickly as their parents might have. So it kind of makes sense that the average age of a first time home buyer um, would be, would be older than it used to be. As far as the percentage of down payment that people make when they buy their first home, in 1981, 20%, 20% was, was the, the common down payment. Um, now, as you can imagine, much less, 13%. You probably know that one of, if not the biggest barrier to becoming a homeowner is accumulating the down payment, right? That's, that's always, for many, many years, that has been the challenge, is how do you save up enough money? Now, I will tell you that there's a lot of misconceptions out there. In fact, I just had a conversation with a millennial couple who was looking to buy their first home. And while they know that they don't have to put 20% down, right? So they, they, don't, they don't have the incorrect assumption that you must make a 20% down payment. Um, they don't even want to put 20% down if they had it. In other words, while 20% down can be a lot of money for someone to have to save up, even those that have the 20% down are not necessarily comfortable putting all of that into their first home purchase. And I think one of the reasons for that is that that generation, the millennial generation, has grown up seeing things like the Great Recession, seeing things like their parents losing their jobs or their homes being foreclosed on, you know, that, that their family lived in. And they've seen home values actually go down, which for a long time, it was always an assumption that home values always go up. Now we realize that home values are more volatile. They go up and they can come down. And so I think the younger generations are realizing that it's not necessarily the financial investment that maybe people once thought it was. And so they're not comfortable putting all of this money, all of these assets that they've accumulated into this one transaction. 
So again, why am I mentioning that? Because if you have the ability to do lending with smaller down payments, make sure that your realtor partners and the people that you're trying to develop these relationships with, that they know about all these alternatives because people not only don't have 20% down, but even if they did, they may not want to put it down. So any option that you have for people to be able to buy a home now and not put 20% down is something that you're going to want to make sure your realtor partners are very aware of so that they can you know, be promoting homeownership with as many people as possible. Okay, a few more pieces of information from, from this 40-year um, comparison. Searching the internet to buy a home, as you can imagine, in 2021, 95%. I'm wondering where the other 5% are that do they not have a computer? Do they, do they not have an internet connection? That actually could be, could be true. But pretty much everybody is using the internet to find a home. In 1981, what do you think the number is? Nothing. Zero. I mean, I, I didn't have a computer in 1981. Um, I just think that's fascinating to think about how the world has changed in 40 years. The percentage that got a mortgage. In 1981, it was almost everybody. 93% of the people that bought a home got a mortgage. 2021, a little bit lower, 87%. The percentage that used a realtor. This is key. The percentage of people that used a realtor when purchasing a home. In 1981, 82%. So let's just say roughly 80% of the people buying a home 40 years ago used a realtor. Today, we have all these options, right? We've got the internet. We've got online companies. We've got you know, all these different ways that we can get information. And so sometimes we think, well, the realtors aren't as valuable anymore. The realtors aren't as significant as they once were. Well, that would be incorrect because now 88% of the people that buy a home will use a realtor. So that number has actually trended upwards. So almost 90% of the people who buy a home will use the services of a realtor, which means if we're not actively engaged as mortgage lenders in building these realtor relationships, we are missing an incredible opportunity to have business referred to us by these realtors because roughly 90% of the people who buy a home are going to use a realtor. By the way, sellers, it's the exact same percentage. 88% of sellers will also use a realtor when selling a home. Even though there's all these different ways that people can sell a home without a realtor, people are still choosing to use the expertise that a realtor brings. Now, while we're talking about that, um, I think I'd I did mention actually in the, in the introductory uh, episode, or episode one of this season, that our, my most recent sale, I did on my own. Um, and I, I did that for lots of reasons that I won't get into. But for sale by owners represent about 7% of the people who sell their homes. About 7% will sell them on their own. I see that as another opportunity, perhaps. In other words, why as a lender would you not be out having some sort of outreach or contacting people who are selling their homes on their own? You might think, well, wait a minute, they're selling their home on their own. What does that have to do with me as a mortgage lender? Well, I can share with you that as someone who sold their home on their own, you're performing all the tasks that a realtor is normally performing, which means... People are wanting to see your property and people might potentially want to buy your property. And it, it's not like they're working with a realtor who can guarantee that they've been pre-approved for a mortgage. Uh, you don't know anything about their financial background. 
And so as a seller, it might be helpful, especially if the buyers who are looking to buy your property are not that familiar with the area. It'd be interesting as a seller to be able to have the name of a handful of lenders that you could refer them to. In fact, certainly before you'd want to entertain an offer, you'd want to know that they're actually qualified to buy the home. So they may not have a lender already, or they may not know where to go, but you as a seller could really look quite professional by be able to, by being able to say to somebody, well, here's the name of you know two or three lenders that I know work in this community and would do a good job if you ended up getting a mortgage. How would they know that if you weren't the one who was actually promoting your services and trying to make a connection with sellers? So while they don't represent a huge percentage of the business that's out there, if nobody's paying attention to for sale by owner sellers, it's plenty of business, you know, for those of you that decide that you want to actually, uh, you know, create some opportunities in that market. Okay, so one last thing I'll share with you that I just think is kind of interesting is the reason why people move. In 1981, the reason that people bought the home they bought was because of convenience to work. Wow, has that changed just a little bit with the pandemic? I mean, if anything, people have decided they don't need to be close to work because they're working in their home. So they're actually about as close as they possibly can be to their office. Um, again, in 1981, convenience to work and affordability were the main selection criteria for where people bought their home. 40 years later in 2021, it's to be closer to family and friends and that they need a larger home. The needing a larger home is kind of interesting to me because from everything I've seen, family sizes are smaller, people are having fewer children or even no children at a greater rate than they once did. And I think back to other relatives that I've known, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, who had very small homes with a ton of people in them, right? And so it seems like we have smaller family sizes, but yet we have larger homes. Uh, maybe that's just because, you know, we can afford it and we like to have more space than we used to have in the past. But those two reasons are the most critical reasons why people choose the home and the location today is to be closer to their family and friends and because they need something larger than what they have today. By the way, those are exactly the same reasons that sellers leave their homes. So for the same reasons that buyers are buying to be closer to family and friends and because they need a larger home, it's the same reason that sellers are selling their homes because they want to move closer to family and friends and they need a larger home. Okay, so just a couple of key takeaways. Again, you, you're probably coming to some of your own conclusions. That's what I'm hoping is that you're, you're coming to your own, you know, your own ideas are kind of percolating up as you hear all these numbers. Um, but just a couple of takeaways that I would remind you of. Uh, single females represent about 20% of all homeowners, and that's not only twice as much as single men, but it's a number that's been growing over time. There's opportunity there. Uh, knowing that down payments are hard to accumulate, anything that you can do to help people with a small down payment buy a home, you want to make sure that your realtor partners know everything about those programs and what you can do so that they can offer homes to as many people as possible. And the percentage of people that use a realtor to buy or sell a home has only gone up over time. So this idea that people just do everything online, that realtors are becoming irrelevant, therefore why should you take the time to build relationships with them, that is not backed up by statistics. People are using realtors more than ever. I personally think, now that I've got a real estate license and I understand that world a little bit better, it's because navigating the home buying and home selling journey has become much more complex over time. It's a very difficult thing 
having just sold a home myself, uh, by myself. It's a very difficult thing to navigate on your own, and you really want to use a professional to help you do that. So more important than ever that we develop those relationships and uh, connections and partnerships with realtors. All right, that was a lot of numbers. Hopefully, uh, if I went too quickly, you can just go back and re-listen to them. But that is it for this episode. Uh, I know you've always got a lot of choices for how you spend your time, and I truly appreciate that you've spent some of it with me today. This is Blaine Rada with ArchMI. Until next time, let's revive some realtor relationships. Arch Capital Group Limited's U.S. mortgage insurance operation, ArchMI, is a leading provider of private insurance covering mortgage credit risk. Headquartered in Greensboro, North Carolina, ArchMI's mission is to protect lenders against credit risk while extending the possibility of responsible homeownership to qualified borrowers. ArchMI's flagship mortgage insurer, Arch Mortgage Insurance Company, is licensed to write mortgage insurance in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. For more information, please visit archmi.com. ArchMI is a marketing term for Arch Mortgage Insurance Company and United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. All rights reserved.